Well, welcome back to episode number 132 of the Adrian Bow podcast featuring Troy Malcolm. Uh, AB, we are only on audio today and there's a reason for that because we are in a VIP room that the lighting didn't work for our video. So we thought we'd keep our, uh, our selves, ourselves protected in regards to video and we'd just deliver to our fans and our audience and our followers via audio today. But AB, thank you so much for joining us again. We are in person, face-to-face, talking about what's important in the real estate market right now. Absolutely, Troy. It's great to see you in person. I love catching up as always. Hey, what a great topic episode 132 is going to be in terms of clearing inventory. Um, As you know, I don't like the word stock when it comes to real estate. I just wrote a piece actually that's going to come out in a couple of weeks about uh, agent vernacular and that's one of them. So yeah, that's one of my pet hates as you know. So clearing inventory. And that's the thing, like Adrian, we we talk about this a lot, but Language is really important right now. Um, You know, things like stock, things like conditioning, things like, you know, oh, it's just a buyer. Like those types of terminologies, we, we, as a sidebar, we talk about this a lot because we know that sometimes we fall into the complacency as agents and people working in real estate that we're not conscious about what we're saying may offend people may disregard their circumstances or is just the wrong terminology that we've fallen into the trap of using. Now, yeah. that's not today's topic, but I know it's important to both of us and we're very focused on that type of dialogue. So hopefully all of our listeners, you've got over the past 132 episodes from us an importance of understanding how to interact, how to communicate and how to really set yourselves up for success in regards to dealing with your clients. Now, AB, today is all about inventory. A lot of businesses right now throughout Australia have listed property and it's still on their books from late January. Yes. And we're talking about coming up to that expired period. The question that I have for you is what do I need to do to realign my vendors, Mm -hmm. their price expectations and educating them about the market conditions that their particular property currently sits in? Look, the good news, Troy, is that a lot of our sellers at the moment are quite educated in terms of exposure to mainstream media. Now, I don't say it's good news because there's been a correction in the market. I say it's good news because if someone has their property on the market as we speak today, then they're very immersed in the process and they're also very conscious of what's happening both nationally and globally, okay? So you'd have to be hiding under a rock not to realise that we've got a forthcoming election. You'd have to be hiding under a rock to realise that inflation is not just an Australian issue, it's a global issue. And you'd also have to be hiding under a rock you know, if you weren't aware of the geopolitical environment at the moment, which is a bit precarious, right? So in saying that, in saying that, perspective is absolutely critical. So if someone has missed the boat, let's call it, and their property was worth three to five percent more a few months ago, the best part about that is 
if you compare the value to say two and a half years ago, it was probably 60% less. Yeah. So we need to constantly remind our clients that the growth they've experienced in the last two and a half years was an absolute anomaly, yep. fueled by an anomaly, yep. that will never happen in our lifetimes ever again. And so, Adrian, I guess the, the, the secondary question that I get straight away is, are you taking that type of data into a listing, or sorry, into that alignment meeting? 100%, 100%. So you can actually search on, on quite a few websites what a property was worth, but even in saying that, a lot of my clients, I asked them, did you get an appraisal three years ago? And they said, yes, I did. What was it? I was like 1.5. Okay, so sure, it may not be worth three, but 2.8 is still a great result, right? And let's focus on what are the next stages of your life? Because what I tend to find, Troy, is a lot of people make an initial decision to sell based on motivation and circumstance. Then what tends to consume them is price, okay? Now, our obligation as an agent is to constantly remind our clients about what the circumstances and the original motivation was, which could have been downsizing financially or or domestically it could be um you know putting some money aside for children could be traveling could be there's a bunch of reasons but that tends to get diluted once people tend to focus heavily on a number yeah now the reality is this is what i've learned is as much as a client will try and convince you and themselves that it's all about the number, I've actually learned after doing two and a half thousand transactions that the number one priority is for them to move forward in the next stage of their lives. Yeah. Okay? That is actually the number one priority. Um, so this is not, a, a, as you said, a conditioning process. It's a terrible word. No one wants to use it. But it certainly can be a reminder process to our clients. It can be a perspective process for our clients. And it certainly can be uh, an expectation management process, you know, as well. I mean, even as agents, you and I have bought and sold real estate, Troy. Yeah. Okay. And we've been in the industry for decades and yet our expectations still need to be managed when we're going through that process. Absolutely. And I think that's the other thing, Adrian, that a lot of people forget is that the awareness piece about the growth over an extended period of time during their ownership, yeah. but also the awareness piece that the next part of their journey, they will probably be buying in a similar market. Yeah, yeah. And so the 5% that they may have got at the tail end of last year, or even in January, yeah. extra, that's probably come off for the property that they're looking at as well. Yeah. And also, depending on their circumstances, they, they can still profit quite considerably better than what they would have done at a different time. Yeah. So I think you're 100% right. I think awareness, mm-hmm. making sure that they have their expectations met, mm-hmm. and then finding the right point in the pricing strategy to not chase the market down. Because we've discussed this before we started this recording is the fact that there's a little bit of uncertainty. Like you said, there's an election looming on the 21st of May. There's school holiday periods. There's global economic things that are happening as well. Yeah. What is the right strategy? So we've defined that we do have a property that we need to realign expectations. We've defined that. What are you doing now with your owners? Are you going to meet them face-to-face? Are you asking them specific questions? Are you recommending 
to trim the price or have a really haircut price so we can re-engage the buyers that maybe discounted it yeah. um, because they anticipated it was going to be 15 or 20% more in regards to the strategy of what they've seen in the past 12 months. Yeah, so, so all of the above, Troy. Um, what we need to be doing on a consistent basis is constantly introduce what I call mini expectation metrics. Okay, right. so mini expectation metrics look something like this. Troy, our first open for inspection is this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Personally, what I'll be relying on and what we'll need to discuss if it doesn't occur is 12 groups through, two contracts issued, and 2,000 web views by the time I catch up with you on Monday or Tuesday of next week. If we don't hit those mini expectation metrics, then when we catch up next week, we're going to have to conversation about getting the campaign back on track. Because at that particular point, based on the last four properties I've sold, because you're not the first person to walk down this path, I've had four clients in the last six weeks that have actually sold their properties, and I have come up with this ratio to allow me to deliver some signs to this process that provides me an alarm bell to provide you recommendations uh, that we're, we'll be off track, number one, but number two, provide and prescribe a, so multiple solutions for you to get back on track. Yeah, right. And okay. that's after the first open for inspection. First open for inspection. Yeah. Okay. Then after the first open for inspection, we, we catch up and of course it needs to be face-to-face. If it's not, it should be via Zoom or FaceTime. Then I create more mini expectation metrics, which is, okay, we've got our two or three contracts out. Mm-hmm. Now, my next expectation metric was going to be, will they do a pest and building or a strata? And are they going to make changes to the contract through their solicitor? And number three is, are they going to come back and bring family members through for a second inspection? Okay? So, constantly, I'm providing these mini expectation metrics. So, it doesn't come of any surprise. So, I'm actually providing it up front to the vendor. The vendor actually links arms with me and, and actually you know, goes on the journey with you about those mini expectation metrics, right? Otherwise, it's really arbitrary, Troy, because, you know, when you think about it, how does an owner know if 20 groups is a good or a bad number? And everyone that's listening to this would know because in the past, they haven't provided mini expectation metrics. They've called an owner, been really excited and say, great news, Troy, we had 25 groups and we had uh, three contracts issued, and the owner says, oh, is that all, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. right but that's not, that's not their fault. Like, you Mate. didn't provide any mini expectation metrics, right? Yeah. So, of course, they don't know that that's great. So, you need... Now, those numbers that I provide are going to look different in every market. Of but course. you need to know, and are they the same metrics from six months ago? No, absolutely not. No. The same as a valuer would go and look at a property today he or she is not going to look at legacy data from four months ago. They're going to look at for sales in the last three weeks. So the mini expectation metrics are critical. The face-to-face is absolutely critical. And the owner needs to subscribe to this science-based approach. So question on that. If, if they don't, if they don't subscribe to that, if they go, Adrian, I understand. Yeah. But, you know, when we first started talking in November last year, you said $2 million. Yes. Uh, I still want $2 million. But yes. you're telling me now that it's like 1718. Yes. Well, I want $2 million. No how, are you, how are you overcoming no, that? No problem. Um, 
So what we do is we create another expectation metric. We say, no problem, let's keep the price as is for this week, but we are catching up again next week and um, we'll, have, we'll be having another conversation. And guess what? Next week, you've got even more compelling data. Why? Because those 2,000 web views is now 4,500. The emails that you received last week amounted to 30, now it's 65. Mm-hmm. The phone calls that you received last week were 20, now they're 45. Mm-hmm. And you still only had three groups through with no contracts issued. So then you start talking about an incredibly high dismissal rate. And people say, oh, what's the dismissal rate? Well, thousands of web views, dozens of email inquiry, dozens of phone calls, they've all dismissed it based on one thing. What's that thing? Price. So if you would like to have a plan B, yep. then let's talk about a plan B. Because at the moment, current reality is not meeting our expectations. Okay? And are you saying it? You're saying it exactly Exactly like verbatim. Verbatim. And can I tell you, they want to hear it. They're actually craving to hear it. Because what I'm saying, Troy, is all this passive negativity that's happening through social media, through the six o'clock news, that is the majority of the managing of the expectations. It's just you who needs to say those magic words in order to uh, put it into real estate perspective. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. But again, this is not conditioning. That's That's what we need to make sure that we're not portraying because that person needs to move on. They need to move on. And if they've got a plan B, let's support their plan B. And if that is having the ability to lease it out, great. If it is waiting for the next market cycle, great. Let's support that. But don't allow your owners to be under any delusion that in three months or six months' time, if they take it off the market and put it back on, that remarkably it's going to be 20% better. Because it's not. And I I guess, Adrian, the other thing is that I always, when talking to agents, and this conversation actually comes up more often than not recently, when talking to them, they're actually getting their head and their head space is getting caught up in this. Yeah. So it actually makes a huge difference to release that from our perspective as yeah. well as agents yeah. to say, let's focus on your plan B because we can't achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. So so you don't want to wrestle with that, Troy. Like right. you need to provide a compelling um, business case around selling today and therefore selling today has, has a price. Um, now... Was it worth a fraction more six months ago? The answer is yes. Yeah. Um, is it worth almost double than what it was three years ago? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Could it be worth dramatically less in six to 12 months' time? The answer is probably yes. Yeah. Okay? So, that's fine. I mean, these are... You know, the agent is not dictating these objective metrics, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are just current reality. So let's, we either want to sell and accept what the market is prepared to pay or we have a plan B. And if we've got a plan B, no problem. I'll be selling real estate for the next 30 years. I'm not going anywhere. It's no problem at all. We've got the photos. Let's just, let's just keep them on record. And if you, if you, if it's an option to rent it, and we wait for the next market cycle, no problem. But I just want to let you know that I've been doing this for 34 years and the market cycles are in seven-year vignettes, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just important that you you actually make that really clear. Yeah. Is there anything else you're covering off during this process with the vendors? Yeah, so I'm moving away, Troy, from written vendor reports at the moment. Okay. Um, 
Now, not altogether, we're certainly providing in writing the metrics from REA and Domain, okay? Because they are a great uh, complement to your vendor feedback in terms of pricing, Mm. interest, etc. However, however, the antiquated vendor report, which has this is how many people we had through, these are the contracts issued, this is the positive comments, this is the negative comments, and this is the price feedback. Let me tell you, if the first time they read that is on an email, right, then it's very confronting and almost offensive. So one of my, I'll give you a good example, one of my coaching clients rang me yesterday and said, I just sent one of my email reports to my vendor and they just called me abusing me. I said, okay. Uh, I said, I bet you I know why. Yeah. And he said, why? I said, did you put the negative comments in there? He said, yeah. I said, did you put the price feedback in there? He said, yeah. I said, look, neither of those are an issue, but why wouldn't you have called them first, yeah. run through them and say, hey, I'm just about to send you a detailed report, but I just want to let you know there's a few reasons that some buyers have chosen not to pursue your property. And let me tell you that most of the reasons are because they've got a higher budget, so they've got the luxury of not wanting to buy on a main road or next to a block of units, right? Mm -hmm. But the people that are interested love the fact that it's on a main road because it's within their budget, right? And also, I just want to let you know that I know we're pitching for $2 million. the initial feedback is around 1.8, 1.9. I wouldn't be alarmed at this particular point. It's No offers have been received. It's just, a, it's just an initial price feedback. But I'm just going to put this in writing just to summarise it anyway. Now, that's a lot better yep. than just sending it, right? Now, personally, at the, in this market, I would remove negative comments, quote unquote, yep. and I would remove price feedback altogether, and I would have those conversations either on the phone or in person with the client, because let me tell you, those things in writing are very misinterpreted. Yeah, and I, it almost goes back to the point where we used to deliver the report on the back of the vendor meeting. Correct. Right? Because we wanted to talk through the report yes. before we gave it to them. I think in a really buoyant market that maybe we saw and the challenges we saw over the past yeah. 12 months, it allowed us to be a little bit more complacent and just send the email. Yeah. We've got to get back to that rhythm. 100%. The other thing is is agents are hiding behind technology. Yeah. Technology is here to complement what we do. I mean, I did a coaching session the other day with a business I couldn't believe the amount of technology platforms they had in their business. Um, you know, I've got nothing against any of them. They're all great technology platforms. There's a million of them, though. There's, there's, it's incredible. And the problem was they stopped prospecting. <laughs> so they thought all these platforms were, was magically going to get them all these listings and help them do all these sales, um, but they're doing zero prospecting. It's just yeah. it's, it's, it's insanity. So... I call email a version of technology yeah. where I think it's a great complement to a face-to-face update or a Zoomed update or a FaceTime update with a client mm-hmm. or even just over the phone, but <coughs> SMSing your, your vendor on a Saturday about how many groups are and what the price feedback was like ain't going to cut it. No. You know, in the last two years, Troy, all sins were forgiven. You could get away with almost anything, right? But at the moment... The agents that are going to shine are the ones that are either experienced or the ones in hyper-growth mode and the ones that are offering incredible service and incredible attention to detail and forensic-like feedback. Yeah, right. Well, and I think the results are now showing. 
Yeah. The results are showing in the ones that are doing that. Yeah. AB, I want to thank you. That comes to the end of episode number 132. We will be back. We had a couple of days break there because yeah. of last week. We had a weird timing with we were both travelling for yes. work. Yes, yes. And we couldn't get face-to-face or we couldn't yeah. get on Zoom. This yeah. one is audio only, but we will be back next week with better lighting and video and audio for episode number 133. AB, as always... It's a shame, actually, we're not on video because you look very handsome (laughs) tonight, Very handsome. (laughs) Thank you. That was a sponsored post. All right, team, we'll see you next week. See you, team.